0: Welcome into the Pulse of the Fan podcast. My name is Tim Donnelly. Today, we're talking Patriots. We're talking New England. We're talking Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Uh, we're talking Willie McGinnis. We're talking Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, and everything that comes along with Patriots Nation. We're going to be bringing on Alex, who is a super fan for the Patriots. You can find him on Twitter at cvas and we're going to have a really good time. But before we do that, I want all of you to know how you can help support the podcast. Go on iTunes, subscribe, go on iTunes, review, go on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. We're always appreciative of all of our followers uh, doing us a huge favor by doing those three things, subscribe, review, and rate. Uh, We really do appreciate it. Now, without further ado, we're going to jump into the podcast. Here we go. All right, welcome into another edition of Pulse of the Fan. And today we're talking uh, one of the most interesting, one of the most revered, uh, maybe tormented fan bases on on the planet is the New England Patriots. And to represent them, we have Alex Servacio. He is a a diehard Pats fan, so uh, we're going to bring him on right now. Alex, how's it going?
1: Good, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh,
0: No problem. I'm actually really excited for this one because... Uh, obviously the Patriots have, have won a bunch, but their fan base has also changed a ton over the last couple of years. And I want to talk about every different aspect of it. Uh, but before we do, let's hear a little bit about uh, your fan resume. Why are you a Pats fan? How long have you been a Pats fan? And name a few of your favorite players.
1: So I, I was born in Newport, Rhode Island. Um, Grew up my early, early days in Rhode Island. Uh, my dad probably doesn't remember this. My dad uh, obviously played at Delaware uh mm-hmm. Long before your time at Delaware, but uh, he's he's a Giants fan. Um, his family's from New Jersey, so he lived in you know Newport, obviously with me. My mom's family is all Pats fans, so my earliest memory of watching football was 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 a uh, you know New England Patriot game uh, when I was probably about two or three years old, um, and and then a Notre Dame football game because Notre Dame was broadcast uh, nationally back then too. So. Uh my first team that I really ever saw professionally was was New England Patriots and then the Boston Bruins and then those are my two favorite franchises uh and uh it's been uh it's been a roller coaster ride for everything since and uh after moving back down to Florida uh you know it's you know it's it's hard to uh to watch every Patriots game up until recently when now you get the you know the red zone package and uh, and uh, the Sunday NFL ticket and all that stuff. So it's been good. But uh, I spent a lot of time uh, back in Newport. All my family's still back on Rhode Island. Um, get up to pitcher games, a uh, minimum of two a year. Uh, definitely the one down in Miami and definitely one in Foxborough, depending on my schedule. So, uh, you know, it's it's been an interesting, an interesting ride to be a, a fan from New England in the last uh, 15 years, that's for sure.
0: So, so you, you, I mean, you obviously remember them from a very young age. Are there any players from maybe back in the day that, that stand out to you that, that kind of grabbed your attention early?
1: Ty Law and uh, Brewski, uh, you know, Troy Brown to some extent. Uh, you know, those are the guys. I would say, you know, in the, in the 90s I was so young that, I, you know, I didn't really latch on uh, mm-hmm. until the late, late 90s when, when Pete Carroll came in and, and that came on. Um, but I would say, you know, if you had to give you know, one one player of all time as a Pat that I would latch onto, I would say I would say Brewski uh, or Troy Brown.
0: Okay, uh, here's my opinion of Patriots Nation from the outside looking in. My dad's a Patriots fan, so I, so I've been close to it, but I'm not part of Pat's Nation. To me, you guys still kind of identify as, as the lovable losers that you were 15 years ago. Uh, Boston, obviously, before the Red Sox won and before the Celtics started winning again and before the Pats got on this tear, uh, you were, you were a, a city that didn't get much love when it comes to championships. And to me, you still act like it, even though you've won a billion of them in the last 15 years. How can it be that whole us against the world when there are a ton of Patriots fans that remember, you know, a dozen different championships? I think it's,
1: it's shifted and that mentality that chip on your shoulder has gone from, you know, being a lovable loser to, to being the us against the world of that. Everyone's jealous of success mentality, you know, uh, the flake gate and spy gates don't happen to any other, uh, any other franchise. I mean, and you've had guys like Bill Cowher come out and, and say that vehemently. Uh, so I think that everything that's happened, that's, that's you know kind of transpired around the Patriots' success. It has kind of galvanized the the fan base, um and kind of honestly, it's 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 kind of a weird thing. I think it's it's limited the bandwagon hype that you saw with the Cowboys in the early '90s, where you know everyone across the country all of a sudden identified as a Cowboys fan. Now it's you know if you weren't a Patriot fan really before, you kind of you kind of didn't jump on that bandwagon. There aren't many, you know, I don't know many bandwagon fans that didn't like the team, you know, before Tom Brady uh, you know, or in the early 2000s, really. So I, I think it, it's an us-against-the-world mentality. It's, it's a typical New England, you know, screw everyone else out there, you know, whatever. It, you know, it's, as you know, that's, that's the, the mindset of a, a, a lot of the fan base, and it's been fun to watch and, and fun to kind of rub the rest of the NFL on te- uh, fans' uh, noses and, you know, the success.
0: I love that I didn't have to bring up Deflategate and Spygate, and in the first answer, the Patriots fan brings that up. Is it a yeah. is it a, a mark of pride or, or weird satisfaction that you guys have been able to overcome uh, the league, kind of throwing the hammer at you twice, and still going on to be uh, the successful Super Bowl winning franchise that you are?
1: I think it comes down to, to two things, and, and those are envy and jealousy. And I think that <laughs> uh, six, success. Um, you know, if you can't if you can't emulate the success, you find ways to tear that success down. You know, you you try to poke holes in it and say it's a fraud, and they didn't work for that, or they didn't do that. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, Bill Cowher is is on record saying that every team, you know, was filming. Uh, the NFL rules specifically stated that uh, recording devices could not be used during games, and, and recorded material could not be used during games. But mm-hmm. in, in the text, it that, that mentioned nothing about prior to games or when coaches are preparing for games, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of the, the spy gate thing, we would set everything off. Uh, I think that's a joke. And the flake gate, you know, I don't even, I don't even look at that as that was a witch hunt from the, from the get go. Uh, and, I, but, you know, looking back on it, I'm happy. Uh, Tom got a nice four week vacation, probably added three more years of misery onto the rest of the fan base's lives. And we ended up winning the Super Bowl.
0: That, that four game suspension, i I've, said this multiple times across a bunch of different platforms. I think that should be an annual Tom Brady deal where you find a reason <laughs> not to play him for the first four weeks. He's obviously up there in age. He, he he can't take 16 games plus playoffs. Let him play 12. Give him a vacation. I would actually like it better if it was like week four to eight or something like that. But I, I think <laughs> yeah. Bill Belichick may be listing him as like a calf strain for the first four weeks of this year because it worked out so perfectly. Uh,
1: listen, I... I I would go beyond that and say, let's give Tom one week one through eight off. Let's Kobe and, <laughs> and Garoppolo go at it. And, you know, to your point even further, let's let Bronx sit the last eight weeks out and we'll just have him for the AFC title in the Super Bowl.
0: I mean I, I see I see the logic there. Uh, but but that that leads me to a question and this one's going to uh probably take a while to cover. Uh Tom Brady, he's he's older. We're talking about giving him rest in the middle of the season. You don't talk about that happening with anyone else. After after seeing him progress, and obviously he wants to play till he's forty-five or forty-six or whatever r- ridiculous number he gave, is there a way Brady's career in New England comes to a close that doesn't leave him feeling pushed out or the team having to deal with Tom Brady going through his decline? Yeah, and I think that, I think you're seeing
1: that play out in front of us right now. I, I think that. Uh... I think that Garoppolo is, a, is a, it's a trade ship that Belichick, is, you know, he's all about value, mm-hmm. uh, and Belichick uh, probably if, if the Browns would have gave one of their first uh, first round picks up for Garoppolo, he probably would have done it. Um, I think I think what we'll see going forward here, and I, and I I'm, I'm in the camp that Garoppolo is going to get traded because I firmly believe that Jacoby Brissett is actually uh, the heir apparent backup right now because mm-hmm. he's he, you know Belichick's been on record saying. Uh, you know he he's the hardest he's first one in first one out he's a coach's guy um and you know i've i went to University of Florida so I've been around Brissett, and i saw him transfer obviously out of, out of u f but I think he's the guy i think garoppolo is is going to be used and and
0: uh more so
1: like a, a jamie Collins who got traded midseason for a you know a desperation team mm-hmm. uh, so a quarterback either goes down in camp or you know a drafted guy doesn't pan out and whatnot and, and teams get desperate and they they over they over you know they overprice him so Belichick gets more than he bargains for, it. And, and I think any trade you've ever seen with the Patriots and Belichick, he always seems to come out on top. Whether it's whether it's a draft pick or whether it's a player, um, you know, they probably had their best years in the Patriot uniform. and When they end up on another team, whether it's Chandler Jones or Jamie Collins, uh, it makes Belichick look like an evil genius.
0: So, so, what do you think they're waiting for for trading Garoppolo? Then, I mean, there, there's been. Do you think that the, the price just hasn't been high enough, and they're waiting for someone to get crazy desperate?
1: yeah i think desperation i think i think i think uh belichick probably knows that there's some situations around the league uh that uh you know they they think they have their guy, and for whatever reason either he gets hurt or doesn't pan out in the early season that that garoppolo you know if the less you know the more you think he's he's amazing you know (laughs) we we saw him and and you know we only saw him in a you know he got hurt Uh this this last season when tom was out uh yeah so so there really isn't much tape on the guy, and this goes back to to the Matt Castles of the world, and 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 the O'Connors, and everything, everyone that used to play behind Brady. They always thought he was the heir apparent. They, you know, I love Jimmy G. I think he, you know, he fits the bill for you know the, the heir apparent to Tom Brady. He's a handsome guy who, who's, you know, never been ne- never been given his fair shake of things. You know, he wasn't exactly a, a high draft pick coming out. Um, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't get traded. But I, I think that. You know, the Patriots don't normally carry three quarterbacks on the roster, and that's, that's been happening for a reason.
0: So, so how does the Tom Brady era come to an end? Who, who, if it's Brissett, that's the heir apparent. Um, I don't see Tom Brady retiring when he's still a Super Bowl threat, and I don't see Bill Belichick letting him hang around on the roster past the point of being a Super Bowl threat. Who's the, you know, something's got to give there. How is the perfect ending for Tom Brady? Well, I, I think, you know, Tom Brady's 39 years old right now, mm-hmm. and you guys, you have guys like Vinny Testaverde and Brett
1: Favre who, who played in the NFL, you know, long into their mm-hmm. 40s. You know, I'm not saying that they went to Super Bowls or were that successful, but I look at Tom and say he's got a minimum of three seasons. Uh, and, you know, I think that you'll see, based upon his diet, based upon his, you know, his crazy workout re- regimen, uh, his flexibility, everything he eats is, is you know, no one would want to eat. He takes <laughs> care of his body in the it, in a way that no one has ever really done at that position. Uh, you know, you look, you look at the guys like when Vinnie Testaverde left the league. You know, I don't think people would look at him and say, "Oh, that guy's in good shape." Tom Brady looks like he looks like a 28-year-old, not a 39-year-old. So um, I think that, that 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 age question is 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 being wasted on a guy who doesn't fit the bill for that. You know, Peyton Manning aged. Peyton Manning had the neck surgeries. Uh, Peyton Manning didn't take care of his body, He wasn't known to be this nutritional freak. Tom Brady, you know, you can't look at a number on him, you know, at thirty nine. You have to look at it, okay, this guy is playing at arguably the highest level of his career. Um, he got four games off this season. He has fresh legs. You know, they they don't need him to practice and, and put the miles on. He you know, he's gonna have the preparation, he has the experience. And at the end of the day, the guy has so many years of mental experience that, you know, that everyone talks about him getting the ball out quick yeah, and he, he doesn't have to get hit anymore. because He knows what the defense is doing. He he knows, he's seen the situation before he's seen how, you know, guys react. He's seen players tendencies, every guy in the league, unless there's a rookie he's played against pretty much. So he understands, you know, how to limit his hits, how to take, how to take a sack the correct way, how to fall down. You know, I think he's focused a lot on his flexibility after the knee injury. And you've seen that in his diet and his workout regimen. So he doesn't he's not up for an you know a, a ligament damage, you know, knock on wood. Uh, but you know I think that that the, the lens of looking at a quarterback like we normally look at a quarterback based solely around the age question, is kind of you know it kind of you have to throw out the window with Tom. So I think honestly everyone's talking about, and you know the Boston media this past couple of weeks, they have nothing to talk about except for that question he just poses is, is are we going to force him out and trade him and all this stuff? I honestly think that that tom and 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 Belichick and Kraft. Uh, we'll get it together. He'll go out the right way, um, and, you know, they'll play this cat-and-mouse game with backup quarterbacks for the next three seasons, minimum.
0: Why is Tom Brady the one guy who is kind of impervious to the Bill Belichick, I cut my best friend's philosophy? I mean, Bledsoe was a, a 10-year, $100 million quarterback. Brady showed some flashes Bledsoe's gone. Uh, your boy Ty Law. Soon as he starts to cl- to decline, he's gone. Lawyer Malloy. The list go. I mean, goes on and on and on uh, with guys that he has uh, gotten rid of. Willie McGinnis, Adam Vinatieri, Dion Branch, Wes Welker. Why is Tom Brady the one guy who's going to be allowed to to age gracefully within the system? Well, I don't think
1: he's shown any uh, any you know signs of declining. So well, even minute, if he doesn't now, if he's point. playing
0: another three years, I mean, at some point. It's going to catch up to him maybe not this year maybe not next year maybe it's five years from now but if he wants to play six or seven more years at some point he's going to be a little old
1: well that's that's assuming that's assuming that his body breaks down and and everything that his crazy you know diet and all that stuff catches up with him so uh i think to your point until he he his play drops to a level that is not good enough to beat out the backup quarterback, whoever that might be, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's in the Patriot uniform and it, it goes against, you know, you're right hundred percent, the Belichick mindset. But I think Mr. Kraft uh, looks at Tom as a son. I, I think there's a, there's a different uh, connection there that no other player has ever had. And he's obviously, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, that if they win another Super Bowl, maybe another two, he might ride off on the sunset of his own. You know, he's saying, I personally think he's staying five years, and he's really thinking three. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going for two more Super Bowls. It, you know, if, if they were to win it this year, go back-to-back, back and then you know maybe follow up after that, I think he's done.
0: Is there a part of you that wants to see either Belichick without Brady or Brady without Belichick? To me, this year in the NBA, Greg Popovich has kind of solidified himself as one of the greatest of all time because he's doing it without Tim Duncan. Is there a part of you that wants to know – uh, which of these two is the main ingredient because they've been, you know, glued to the hip for the, the last 15 years, winning five Super Bowls.
1: I'll say this and I'll preface it with this. Tom Brady is my favorite athlete of all, but, you know, if I had <laughs> to pick someone to be, have it's dinner with, yeah, I would be in awe of, of, I wouldn't know what to say, but this, the Patriots dynasty rests upon one man's shoulders and one shoulder is Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick, is the reason the Patriots are the Patriots. Bill Belichick has instilled the culture. Uh, everyone in that in that uh, franchise, you know, is is there because of Bill Belichick. Every player is there because of Bill Belichick. So to your point, uh I, I I you know it's gonna be Belichick without Brady. And I you know I can't wait to see that because I think that Belichick is gonna solidify his status as the greatest coach in every in all of sports. Whether it's Popovich or whether it's, you know, any NFL guys that came before him Belichick is the guy uh and I can't wait to see him kind of succeed without Tom but mm-hmm. you know I think that they were just a match made in heaven and they'll always be forever tied to each other uh but at the end of the day the reason the Patriots have five Super Bowls and Phil Belichick not necessarily Tom Brady and I think you've seen that in when Matt Castle came in when when Brady mm-hmm. you know towards his ACL that they almost went to the playoffs <laughs> with 11 and 5 record
0: do you ever wish he would let you in more that that he would answer a question from the media with more than like a, a grumble mumble one word answer and get out of there. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. You know,
1: <laughs> I think I think uh, I think unfortunately the, and and this is not the media's fault. This is just you know the digital vacuum of today that everything is is, is so misconstrued, taking out of context. You know, you he could, could give a full ten paragraph quote and, and one sentence might sound wrong. And then all of a sudden that becomes locker room material for the Seahawks or, you know, the Falcons, whatever it might be. So I love it. I don't think he, I don't think it's part of his job title to have to give, you know, amazing answers. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, you see and some of the times he gets asked questions, whether it's about punting, whether it's about some views on left-footed kickers, Mm -hmm. you know, he goes and he goes off on these 10, you know, 10 paragraph, five minute answers. So. It's it's really I I rested solely upon the beat writers and, and the reporters in the room. They're just not asking questions that they know he'll answer. They know he you know he's like Pop. Pop is the same exact way, and they're probably one of the great you know greatest coaches of all time
0: because of it. All right. So from from following you on social media, I know that that you interact with, have a relationship with some of the the, the big names in coaching, the George Ravlings, the Buzz Williams. Um, what about Bill Belichick? Do you attribute the fact that he has uh, uh, ascended to the level that that he is. What 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 about his coaching strategy, his motivation strategy, his collection of people has put him, as you mentioned, as the greatest coach of all time, above of the Lombardis, the Woodens, the Popoviches.
1: I think you know it, it goes. It comes down to this. You know, one thing. It, it's two words. Everything matters. Every little thing matters. Uh, you know, from from the smallest of of minute details that that another coach or another staff might overlook to. Uh, to the, you know, the history lessons and the quizzes that he supposedly gives guys and team meetings. Um, I, I think, I think Belichick has has blocked out the meaningless uh, banter, uh, the meaningless uh, responsibilities that come with being a, you know, a head football coach in the National Football League in 2017. Know, mm-hmm. You know, and that goes back to my point about him not giving good answers. You know, that doesn't, good answers don't win football games. Preparation and, and doing all the other work wins football games. You know, going to you know, a Patriots uh, event for fans doesn't win football games, and that's why you don't really see him doing that stuff. So uh, I think it comes down to instilling a culture and, and building a culture that can sustain itself in the facility, in the locker room, on the field, no matter what players is there. So, you know, they're picking high-character guys that obviously, um, you know, are, are, are amazing athletes and highly talented. But at the end of the day, I think they've had a lot of success not because they're overpaying players or getting, you know, these high draft picks or these college studs. They're getting guys that they know will fit their system, fit their culture, and have a certain way of thinking that will either align with with Coach Belichick and his staff or that they can, you know, educate on in some way. So, you know, I mentioned Greg Popovich a lot, and you're seeing that now with the Spurs' success in the playoffs without their, you know, their legends. It's the same thing. Everything matters. Culture comes first if you can build that culture and you can sustain it and you, ha- you don't have this, this huge turnover of leadership, then, you know, I, I, that's where I think the success really lies.
0: How come Gronk isn't held to all those, those standards of, of, you know, you said being at a Patriots fan event, isn't necessarily going to help you win, but not only is Gronk doing that, but he's doing the party crews and saying whatever he wants to the media. And he's not the, the grumble mumble answerer. Uh but it seems like everyone else, is bound by the, the the so-called patriot way, which is kind of what you described, the no nonsense, everything matters. Why is Gronk separate there?
1: Well, I, I think you know there's two points I would hit on with with the with the Gronk thing. Gronk definitely uh, there's a double standard for two things with Gronk. I think mm-hmm. Gronk with the patriot way gets gets by because he's he's the most talented tight end ever, arguably the greatest tight end of all time. He's won a Super Bowl. He shows up to work. What he does in the off season. Uh, he doesn't get arrested. He doesn't show, you know, get in trouble necessarily. It's more mostly just, uh, you know, a party boy, innocent fun. Uh, and then he shows up to work. You know, as soon as he puts on that helmet, I think he's, you know, the consummate pro. If you look at his interviews when he's in, you know, in the season, in the locker room, um, he is patriot answers. Out, out of that, when he's at a Vegas pool party, he's, you know, he's not. Um, I think to to the other point. The double standard with pro athletes today and Gronk, Gronk gets a pass when other guys, you know, are out of the club until 4 a.m. with bottles, I don't think it's fair. I think every athlete, as long as they show up to work and, and they, they show up to camp ready to play, in shape, um, should be able to enjoy themselves because they're young, they're young men. They're you know, the 20-something, 30-something guys that are very successful, that have a lot of money, that don't get to live that life that many of us do. So as long as they don't, you know, don't break the law, stay out of trouble, and aren't, you know, hurting anyone around them, then I, I, I think the double standard that Gronk gets away with in the mainstream media and, you know, the ES fans and all this stuff, that other guys say, oh, he's a party boy or, you know, he has a drinking problem or, he you know, he stays out too late, I don't think it's fair. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm a, obviously a Patriot fan. I don't mind Gronk partying, but I think that every other guy, you know, the Odell Beckhams of the world shouldn't get yelled at by, you know, the New York beat writers because he's partying too because uh you know a guy like odell's his, his play i think speaks for itself on the field as well
0: would it be would it be okay if say uh Dion lewis was was doing the same thing or would, would the patriots put a rap on that do you have to be the, the greatest tight end in the history of the game uh i would say pretty obviously or or could anyone in the patriots as long as when they show up to play uh show up to work they're ready to work do the same things no, I think it's as, as long as you're showing
1: your maximum value and you're not, you know, you're not, uh, you're, you're operating at 110. I don't, I don't think it matters. You know, you look at a guy like James White, uh, and he probably, you know, if you would ask Belichick beforehand, he probably didn't expect him to play this role. He did, especially in the Super Bowl. You know, and all of a sudden he becomes, you know, a stud, uh, All Pro running back, uh, and you know he he has some fun off the field. I don't think it matters. I think Gronk gets away with it because he is the best tight end in football when he's on the field. So he's allowed to do that. You know, it, it was a Deion Lewis, you know, if he was the best running back in football. He would be allowed to do it too. But, you know, <laughs> you look at a guy like Deion Lewis, he, he has injuries. He, he's not performing at his best when he's not partying. So, so I think that's, so it's, it's not necessarily the Patriot way. It's just, it does, is the player's performance affected by it at all. And, and Gronk's it's, it's definitely not.
0: Is there a situation in in the near future when uh, Belichick decides the best value Gronk can get is, is through a trade or, or letting him go like he's done to, to so many other guys, or is he protected in the in the Brady umbrella? Uh,
1: you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Gronk gets traded. Uh, you know, we have Dwayne Allen now, who is, is basically uh, been left for dead in, in Indianapolis for years. Uh, I'm anxious to see what he looks like in the offense. I I think Gronk will get traded uh, because teams will overpay for him, and I think you know his his injuries are going to catch up to him, and he gets injured almost every other year. Uh, I love the guy. He's the greatest tight end of all time, but he's, he is the guy that I think will get the Belichick treatment before, you know, before Tom Brady.
0: We are going to take a quick time out here from talking with Alex about all things Patriots to bring to you a special offer from here at Pulse of the Fan. I want you to head to audibletrial.com slash pulse. Once again, right into your address bar on your browser, audibletrial.com slash pulse. What's that going to do is it's going to give you an opportunity to sign up for a 30 day free trial of audible.com. That comes with a free audiobook download. Audible. .com is the premier audiobook library on the planet, more options than anywhere else. And if you're tuned in today to hear about the Patriots, to hear about Tom Brady, to hear about Belichick, to hear about everything Patriots then there is a very, very special book for you. It's called From Darkness to Dynasty, the first 40 years of the New England Patriots, and it just tells you how they get to where they are now, taking you through the darkest times all the way up through the Super Bowls, and it's available on Audible. So again, audibletrial.com slash pulse. That's P-U-L-S-E. Head there right now, use up the offer that we're giving you, and check out a great book by the Patriots. Now, back to the podcast. What is it like seeing so many Patriots legends wear other other jerseys and still have effective years, even if their best years are in a Patriots uniform? Is there a small part of you that wishes, "Gosh, I'd like to see that guy retire a Patriot"? Or, or it, it, it's frustrating when when someone goes somewhere else and has a few more good years.
1: You know, it's it's uh it's interesting because. Varying levels of success. I would say yes. I would. Pro- I'd probably be like that. Like a guy like Wes Walker. Exactly. Uh, I was. Uh, uh, you know, I, Wes Walker was arguably one of my favorite pitchers of all time, and you know, one of the leading receivers in Patriots history. Um, but I think I think the writing was on the wall there, and you know, you saw it with his with his years outside of a Patriot uniform. Yeah, he had some good, um, you know, good seasons here and there, especially with Peyton. But to the level that he played with Tom, it wasn't to the value. And I always come back to this value thing. You know, he got his money elsewhere. He got paid, um, but he wasn't playing at the same level that he was when you know the, we went you know nineteen and zero. So, as long, if we weren't winning and we were losing, and I would seeing these guys have you know somewhat level of success, yeah, then I'd be upset. But you know, I, I don't think I don't think that happens because you know you look at you look at guys that leave like. Like Chandler Jones, and, and, you know, I love that Arizona. he's he was Gronk's best friend. He, he's on the Cardinals this year. He didn't have that great a year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I look at Jamie, Jamie Collins as a stud. You know, I remember watching him in college. He had a terrible season with the Browns. So, well,
0: that, you know, that, recently – I blame you know, that half on the Browns. I'm just throwing that out there. I think if he goes to <laughs> – I, I think if he goes to the Steelers, he has a pretty good year.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I, I think it's definitely situational. But I, yeah. I always come back to this value thing that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. and Wes Walker's probably the perfect example of it.
0: So Wes Welker, and that, that, that leads me down a, a common, I don't want to call it a myth, but a common storyline narrative that follows the Patriots. Is it true that uh, Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels, can take any grocery bagger from the local, local grocery <laughs> store and turn him into an effective slot receiver? Uh, I, I,
1: think, I think it is a mentality. There's a chip on your shoulder. There's, a, you know, if you're a short guy under, under six foot, you've always had that us against the world mentality. Uh, and I think you're seeing that, you know, Julian Edelman and you know Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola just took another pay cut to stay with the Patriots because he knows that's that's where he has the opportunity to make more money off the field because they're Super Bowl champions, but two, to succeed on with the greatest quarterback of all time. So yes, I, I I really do. You look at you look at Chris Hogan who played lacrosse in college, and all of a sudden he's a deep threat to the Patriots. Yeah, I, I think it has everything to do with the system. It has everything to do with the quarterback behind center and. And, you know, if I lost uh, 20 pounds and, and put in some time, I could probably catch a ball across the middle. Yeah,
0: that, that, that's, I feel like everyone thinks that way. It's like, you know what? If you give me Tom Brady, you give me Bill Belichick on the sideline, I could get like 60 catches and 600 yards in that Patriots offense. And no,
1: and that's not to take away anything from Julian Edelman or Danny Amadola. I think Julian Edelman doesn't get his just due in, in the NFL as the number one, you know, one of the number top, you know, top one, one receivers. I think that because he's a short guy, because he – You know the narrative is oh, the slot receiver role. Uh, It's it's unfair, uh, but I also I also get it because you know you look at the you look at the history of our guys in that position and it's kind of kind of been a factory.
0: You you mentioned Amendola taking a pay cut as a fan of another team. I'm not a Patriots fan. Something that. I don't. I, I. can take watching you win a bunch of Super Bowls. I can take watching Bill Belichick have the grumble mumble uh, press conferences. One thing that really upsets me is that so many players are willing to take less money from the Patriots to play in New England than they are to go to another team where uh, they're being promised more money, maybe a bigger role in the offense. It's it's so frustrating to watch the Patriots just get the pick of, of free agents or or this and that or re-signing guys that they have no business re-signing because they'll take less money. What is it about the Patriots? Is it just the, the the promise of a Super Bowl? Is it the atmosphere that they keep? Are they secretly having like paintball sessions and having a ton of fun when no one is around? What is it about the Patriots? I think I think if you
1: look at it. Uh... Two ways. A a guy like Amandola got his first payday, you know, when he was on the Rams. He got paid his money. I I think every young athlete should get his big one contract. Everyone gets one if you're if you're talented enough. You know, set yourself up for life, take care of your family, make sure that you're taken care of and you know your kids and your future are all set. After that, then it becomes about legacy and future future earned value. I I look at the Amendola you know, for his second pay cut in a few years. He sees that you know he's a long, he's looking long term. A lot of guys are short term. I got to get my cash. Got to get my cash. Got to get my cash. Well, if you've already been paid and, and you know you have the investments and you have all this stuff in place, uh, taking one point six million dollars with the Patriots versus you know six million dollars with the Browns in ten years, no one in Cleveland's going to remember Danny Amendola played there. But if Danny Amendola wins another Super Bowl with the Patriots, he's a legend. He gets back to the Patriots Hall of Fame. He probably has endorsement deals for life around Foxborough and New England and all this stuff. So future earned revenue, uh, by being around that legacy and being around, you know, Tom Brady, Belichick, and Mr. Kraft, I think, you know, he'll make that money back. And I think that's what you're seeing with a lot of times where Tom takes a pay cut. You know, Tom's taking a pay cut so he can sign more guys, but really, because Tom has a percentage of uh, Under Armour. You know, he has equity in uh, one of the largest companies in the world. His his wife makes more money than him. So, you know, un- unfortunately for other teams, we have, a, we have a special situation where where our, our you know, arguably – guy who should be the highest paid player in the NFL is probably one of the lowest that allows us to spread the money around and, you know, get the Gillis leads and get, and get the, you know, the corners who, who are, you know, going to come in here for one year, help our defense out, and then go get another payday and do nothing.
0: Who, who would this subs- Who is the Patriots rival? The, to me, uh, no one in the division is, is good enough or has been good enough in the last 10 years I think Peyton Manning there for a while, wherever he was, the Patriots were, were battling. Um, the Giants maybe, but they're in the other conference. Who who do Patriots fans revel in beating the most or revel in taking a free agent from the most?
1: Roger Goodell.
0: <laughs> That's the perfect answer.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the NFL, I mean, and it's not all Roger Goodell's fault, but it's the other owners that, that are part-time owners that haven't, Probably, uh, you know, dove in as much as Mr. Kraft with the Patriots. Uh, they think that they can, you know, spend money and they should, you know, they should have a Super Bowl and their investment should, you know, have a 10x return. Uh, I think the other owners, you know, legitimately got jealous of the success and the culture that was built and the system that is put in place and you know the the four Super Bowls beforehand and they got you know they, they got in his ear and said, hey, listen, this you got to cut this out. I think you see that in especially with the deflate gate with the PSI. But I think you see that a lot in, in some of the officiating calls too. So uh, when the Patriots are on their game, the only only one, you know, only team, only franchise that can stop them is, is the shield. You know, they, they talk about this shield and the NFL shield. You got to protect the integrity of the shield. Uh, you know, I think the NFL has, has ruined the shield on their own in the face of a lot of fans that actually, uh, you know, have seen through, the, you know, the BS and the, you know, the smoke screens and the witch hunts and all that stuff. So, uh, when the Patriots are clinking and, and Tom Brady's healthy and, you know, you, you're getting that time to spread the ball around to Gronk and, and to Edelman and, and to whoever is in the backfield, uh, I don't think the Patriots can be stopped. And, I, you know, you look at the team this year coming off a Super Bowl win and they are stacked and reloaded. So I'm anxious to see what the NFL throws at them this season.
0: Does it – it's a weird feeling, but I, Robert Kraft at one point was like Roger Goodell's, like, right-hand man. It seemed like they were best friends. And even a little – even even after Spygate, they still seemed like they were buddies um since Deflategate, i think that 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 relationship's been strained i think jerry jones has kind of taken over the 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 leader of the owners do you feel like um like like craft needs to needs to kiss and make up to kind of get some of that to uh to mitigate a little bit no no and, and i don't put this solely on roger goodell i, I mm-hmm. roger goodell
1: is, is is paid by the owners he is employed by the owners very well i i, I put this yeah, very well. As you should be, because, you know, the NFL, it makes so much, so much money. But I think you or I could be could be an NFL commissioner and make some of the decisions that he's made, if not better decisions. And the NFL would still be making billions and billions of dollars. So uh, my blame is on the other owners that are lazy, that, you know, look at their franchise as a nice, shiny investment that they could put on their shelf. Uh, and they gained up, and they got in his ear, and then, you know, for whatever reason, you know, Roger caved. And he did this, and he did that. So, uh, you know... Mr. Kraft has has tried to mend the fences, and I think you see with his son Jonathan. You know he's probably a little more pissed at at, at Roger than 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 uh, his father. Um, I don't think it will ever be mended, but I I also don't think it's it's you know it was it was Roger's cross to bear really. He didn't want to do this. I don't know why anyone in that position would want to to start a, start a witch hunt on arguably the greatest player that's ever you know been in the game over a few psi's that were. Obviously, obviously, uh, you know, to the low end of the spectrum based upon, you know, the legitimate rules. So it's it's just funny to see other teams and other you know fan bases always call out that stuff, and I'm just like, listen, you know, if you're not winning, then then you have nothing to say. You know, I mean, beat us <laughs> on the field. That's 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 what happens. You know, I think the Steelers fans. I have a couple of buddies who are Steelers fans, and they take it. And they're the, they're the best ones because they understand it because, you know, they, they've had success in the past and they understand what it means to have an owner who actually puts everything into a franchise. So I actually get less, you know, hate from the Steelers fans in my life than than my Jets buddies are down here in Florida with all the Bucks fans because they've never experienced it. So, you know, you know, you'd love for them to kiss and make up, but I love the animosity and I love the chip on their shoulder. It's motivation. And, and hopefully there's a big picture of Roger Goodell, uh, in, in the locker room that they hit on the way out, just like Notre Dame.
0: Tom Brady is on the Madden cover. They just announced it today. Are, are you worried?
1: No, not at all. I mean, listen, the, the Madden cover jinx is a joke. Uh, Odell Beckham was on it in 2015. He had a hell of a season. Richard Sherman went to the Super Bowl when he was on it. Calvin Johnson, I think, set the receiving record the year he was on it. You know, if anything, Tom Brady, this is great because now Tom Brady is going to be out there to prove people wrong again and prove, you know, even though there is no curse because the the three guys I just named, Mm -hmm. the the average fan and the media is going to try to write and spin this narrative about the Madden curse and and Tom's going to use that as motivation and and hopefully get us to Minneapolis.
0: Shouldn't Boston as a city more than any other place be like respectful of curses? Haven't they they seen the, the brunt of it? You know,
1: this is... I, I don't think my generation cares about curses. I think the our father's generation and you know the tradition we, we have we have no part in that tradition. We have no part in those curses. You know, everything that I think that's probably millennials today is, is you know we weren't alive for that. We don't care. It's it's what's in the now, what's in the present, let's live in the moment. Uh, let's deal with you know what's in front of us. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that the Babe Ruth stuff from the Red Sox matters at all. I mean, I don't think the, I don't even think that the Cubs this year beating, uh, winning the World Series for the first time in over 100 years, you know, matters. There was no curse. There was just they didn't have the right guy in place. Now you have Theo Epstein, arguably the greatest executive, and, and he puts the culture and he puts the system and he realizes everything matters and the Cubs win. There's no curse being broken. They're just doing it the correct way.
0: A lot of the fans we have on this podcast. Um, and, and we 've done uh, an assortment of different franchises already. they look fondly at the times when when their teams aren 't very good because they feel like they they earn their fandom we just We just had a 49ers fan on who actually said when we started being bad is when he felt like uh, he he had a fan pride because he stuck with his team then you 're here with the Patriots saying, you know the millennials <laughs> don 't really remember a time when the patriots weren 't good. Five Super Bowls since two thousand and two. Does it does it get boring? Do you feel spoiled? What, what is your opinion on that? Well, I mean, if you really think about it, um, ninety six,
1: I was like nine, eight years old. Mm-hmm. That, that we were in the Super Bowl. Yeah,
0: so exactly.
1: you know, before that, uh, you know, I, I don't think many people remember stuff when they were four or five or six years old. And you know, I have bits and pieces here, and you know, I have memories of watching games with my dad, but you know, I couldn't tell you. How many yards did they rush for all that stuff so honestly i I don't know what that's what that's like and that's a that's, I know other fan bases are going to jump on me and that that's gonna make me sound terrible but <laughs> I, I, that's just the honest answer that's the honest answer you know uh it's it's been very lucky very blessed i say say this to all my friends all the time you know I, and there was a there was probably the third super Bowl or fourth super Bowl I was you know cocky and you know pounding my chest about it but the last two i just i realized how hard they are to win and I, I realized how few few teams and few fans get to experience it so like i said i'm very blessed very uh very happy to be able to experience that and i wish i wish that feeling of winning a super bowl on everyone i know and on every fan base on every friend because it really is a special special feeling and and unfortunately you know i've been able to celebrate that a a few times both in person and and watching it at at tv and so it's been uh, it's been awesome um you know, in 10 years, in 15 years, when Tom finally retires, we'll see what happens.
0: Were you, were you at the most recent Super Bowl?
1: So funny story with that. I was in, yeah, I was actually in Houston. Um, I was doing some work, uh, doing some consulting work on the side. Um, but I flew out the morning of, and I'm, you know, an all full picture gear and, you know, I'm going to the airport and, uh, the TSA security is asking me, Hey, you're going the wrong way. I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I went to, I went to the last Super Bowl when we beat the Seahawks, and I was there, and I, there's no way I'll ever be able to top that Super Bowl and that feeling and, you know, and that turnaround and that quick, you know, that interception by Malcolm Butler, and sure enough, 24 hours later, that Super Bowl was topped by <laughs> coming back from 28 to 3 with, with two minutes to go in the third. <laughs> so, uh, I was not at the game. I was at the one in Arizona, and, and I was at the one that we lost in Indianapolis uh, to to the Giants. So. I've been on both sides of it in person, and i obviously been on both sides of it behind the TV.
0: So let's talk about the the one you were at, the Malcolm Butler interception. What was it like being in the stadium when you see him step in front of that slant, pick it off? I mean, the, the, the mic'd up on the sideline, you hear Tom Brady squeal. So what was it like for a fan <laughs> in that situation?
1: I can't I can't describe the, the feeling of emotion because it was from the lowest of lows when he makes that acrobatic catch to get them down inside the 5 or the 10. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, here we go. It's the Giants. You know, it's a David Tyree catch all over. It's, you know, the Black to go stuff all over again. I was like, you know, I've seen this before. So I was literally at the lowest of lows. Like, crap, they're going to score. When, you know, it's over. To the highest of highs in a matter of 90 seconds. It, you know, I, I couldn't – I didn't even react because I – I couldn't, I couldn't believe what happened. And then you turn and you look and you finally actually see it and you see everyone, all the players running. And then you're like, okay. And then you, and then you're a Patriot fan again. You're like, okay, well, we still have time on the clock. Tom's going to run the clock outward where, you know, we're on the five, we're in, you know, in the shadow of the goalposts, anything can happen. Don't overreact. Don't overreact. Don't overreact. It was amazing. You know, and that, that rush and that excitement was, it was incredible. I mean, uh, I, I can't really describe it and I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it because I was, I was, you know, I was ready to leave. I was, Oh my God, it's over. And then literally you go from the bottom of of, of your gut to the highest feeling that you can, Oh, it was, it was great. It was, it was amazing. I was there with uh, a good friend of mine. He's also a Patriot fan. He's he's from Rhode Island, grew up with me, went to Florida with me. Uh, and and to, to share that with him and my, my girlfriend at the time, my now wife and some other friends, it was it was a special moment. It was one I'll always remember. And, you know, I watched the, the videos and the pictures and even just talking about it now puts me right back and I immediately just get happy and I rush of emotion. And, and as I said before, I, I wish that upon every friend, every fan in the league. It's a feeling that I hope that everyone can experience at least once. You know, I, I've been blessed and fortunate to experience it a few times, but it's amazing. It, it was It was a hell of a day.
0: At any point in the most recent Super Bowl now you said you, you weren't there but obviously you paid attention to it. At any point in the most recent Super Bowl did you did you think darn this one this this one got away from us a little bit? Or or as a I'll Patriots right. or as a Patriots fan were you just saying, you know, we got Tommy, we got Bill, uh, they're going to turn this around yeah. at some point? Yeah,
1: unfortunately I, I'm like every other Patriots fan, as long as you have Tom Brady behind behind center and uh, Bill Belichick on the sideline, it's not over until it hits zero. Um, but, you know, everyone around me, I had a, a watch party at my house and everyone around me is, you know, filming, watching my reaction when we're down 28 to three. And then, you know, when, when we start to come back and score and, you know, I'm not reacting, uh, you know, I, I knew that we still needed some two point conversions down the line. And I remember being in, you know, Denver the year before and, and not, not going to the Super Bowl because of the missed two point conversion. So I didn't really celebrate until we got to overtime. And as soon as we won that coin flip and, t- and we won it, I was like, oh my God, game, set, match, this is over. Tom Brady's going to lead them down the field, and and, and this thing is history. Um, you know. So to, to bring that point up, no. As, as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are still out there, it's never over.
0: To bring it kind of full circle, uh, I have to imagine with every Super Bowl, uh, more and more Patriots fans come out of the woodwork. We, we mentioned earlier about how uh, when the, the Cowboys were at their peak in the 90s, it seemed like every city had a ton of Cowboys fans. Do Bandwagoner fans – annoy you as a as a Patriots fan that's been around for for a long time
1: no Uh, and I and honestly I don't see it as much and maybe I'm just blind to it but I don't see it as much I mentioned it earlier because I think people hate the Patriots so they don't (laughs) they don't necessarily want to jump on they don't necessarily want to get on that bandwagon and be mixed in with, with that hatred from everyone else but no it doesn't bother me at all you know um you know if let's say you grew up in in the middle of America and you don't have a team to call your own fine but if you grew up in green bay wisconsin or chicago illinois and you're switching sides then, then yeah that bugs me a little bit but you know i know there's a there's a lot of you know guys my age and and young kids out there who who it doesn't matter where you grew up because sports are 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 so prevalent nowadays you have access to them on social media you have streaming access on any device you know almost every game's on tv now so if you're not geographically located, no. Uh, I mean, th- who better to have as, you know, an idol growing up, being a 12-year-old kid in the middle of America than, than a, a guy like Tom Brady, who's not athletically gifted, who was never, you know, never picked to, to, to be successful in the NFL, who, you know, lost his job in college, and now all of a sudden he's the greatest of all time. It's the perfect story. It's the perfect motivation to, to succeed and try to become a better person and no matter what, what walk of life. So no, that way, fans don't bother me at all. Uh, as long as they, you know, don't, don't jump off the bandwagon too quickly as soon as Tom retires.
0: Uh, usually at this point in the show, we talk draft with the fan. Uh, we try to get their opinion on the draft picks. Patriots had an interesting draft. Um, they really didn't draft anyone. They tra- they traded away just about all of their picks for guys like Brandon Cooks, Coney Ely, Barkebius Mingo. Uh, why, when everyone else in the league is hoarding picks and valuing picks, do you think the Patriots went the exact opposite way and traded them all for, for veterans?
1: You know, I think it's funny because people look. People always look at that and they say, oh, the Patriots traded all the draft picks. In my opinion, the Patriots won the draft. Uh, we traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks, mm-hmm. traded a second-round pick for Tony Ealy, traded a, you know a, a fifth-round pick, really, for Mike Gillisley, mm-hmm. and another one for the tight end from the Redskins. So, Dwayne Allen, too, with fourth-round pick. So, I mean, we turned all those draft picks into known quantities. So, again, going back to value, Belichick, you know, a lot of guys will waste draft picks on unknown values. You don't really know what these guys are going to pan out just because they were successful in college. So, in terms of having a successful draft, you know, we got a bunch of guys that are studs. You know, our first-round draft pick, Brandon Cooks is better than all the other (laughs) first-round draft picks that went in the draft this year. So, uh, you know, it's not the typical Belichick draft where he trades back and gets eight more for the future. I look at it as um, the team is going all in in the present. They know Tom has, you know, the two-three year shelf life. So let's uh, let's not stock up stock up on draft picks necessarily. Let's not sell the farm on the future, really. But let's take advantage of the success and, and the team and the cohesiveness that we have now, and really go all in. I, I, I you know, you look at the Super Bowl team. I don't think we lost many guys, and and now with Legarrette Blunt getting that special offer sheet, we might have almost every guy back and got better, you know, at the corner position, at the wide receiver position, at the running back position, at the defensive end position. So, um, I look at it, and you know, Mel Kiper and all those guys come out of the draft grades and which team won, and and the one that was ominously missing was the Patriots, in my opinion. They they won the draft with the Brandon Cooks trade.
0: All right, we're nearing the end of the show. Uh, and what we'd like to do at the very end of the show is give you a chance to prove your fandom one more time. Give you a chance to uh, to to prove that you're a super fan. And and we do that with the trivia question. Uh, you you've already proved that you know a lot about the Patriots. And you've been a fan for a long time. But are, are you down to give us give, give it a go on the, uh, the the trivia question?
1: Yeah, let's 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 give it a shot.
0: All right. Uh, I, this one may be tougher because the last two people have gotten them right. So I'm getting I'm getting my my feelings hurt a little bit. I need to get my confidence up. Oh, dear. Okay. 2007, you go 16-0 and in the regular season. Randy Moss has what I think is undoubtedly the best wide receiver season in the history of the NFL. Wes Welker also goes over 1,000. Who was the third leading receiver on that team? Third leading receiver. Uh, oh, my God.
1: Oh, man. That is...
0: And I want you to know that if... if People hadn't been getting my questions right. My question probably would have been who's the second leading receiver, but I but I wanted to stump you.
1: Oh man, that is tough. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the tight end was back then.
0: Uh, Graham, maybe? No, it was Dante Stallworth. No.
1: Stallworth. Oh my God. He was only there for that like guy. a
0: year or two, too. But uh, but he was a key cog in what was probably was- the best offense in history. Uh, yeah, it's amazing that that those
1: guys get overlooked by the numbers that Randy and, and West put up that year. I mean, <laughs> that wasn't even my radar, and that's another guy that's one of those those tossed
0: toys that another team didn't want, and all of a sudden he, he's a stud for us. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for getting my confidence back up. That makes me feel pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe uh, if, if you're willing, we'll bring you back on when the, the Patriots are undoubtedly in the news sometime this offseason being sanctioned for something and we'll give you another shot at it.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely would love to. That'd be awesome.
0: Thanks a bunch, Alex. All right, thanks
1: for having me. I uh, hope everyone enjoyed it and I had a great time. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to listen to the, the ones after this uh, and find out what everyone else is thinking about, about their, their team and their fan base.